0: Good morning everyone and welcome to a special edition of a vision for you my name is Larry Kay. I'm a recovered uh, compulsive overeater and I'll be your moderator this morning today is Sunday December 26 2021 uh, and the uh, share ID for Friday December 24th for the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting that number is 18,295 that's 1 18- eight And for the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting on Friday, that number is 18,296. That's 18296. This morning, A Vision for You presents Growing by Leaps and Bounds through Literature. Now, uh, when we talk about the literature, uh, you know, that this is the, our program of literature, uh, the, the big book, in particular, but there's other literature, is replete with information about uh, a few things about what the problem is, what the solution to our problem is, and really the manner in which we we're going to bring that solution to light. In other words, how that solution is both manifested and how it's sustained for a lifetime in our lives. and and um and let's be clear, embedded in this uh, in this program of spiritual action, uh, outlined in our literature is an abundance of paradox uh, that we have to grapple with, <laughs> and there are many discoveries that we make as we navigate uh, along the pathway of the steps, you know work in the steps that seem certain to be one thing you know when you, when you, when you first kind of encounter it, but upon closer inspection and upon uh, active investigation. Uh, some of those discoveries might just turn out to be quite the opposite uh, that we presumed, and that, that certainly was the case for me. Because after all, you know, what is more you know paradoxical than the presumption that I, I can see my blind spots, that I hear what I am deaf to, that I'm you know, that, that I'm fully conscious of my unconscious, or 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 even that I know the mind of my creator. And the big book was written with one overriding purpose in mind. We hear it again and again to show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered. So um, at least the pioneers in our text, uh, they're not going to be vague. They're not going to be imprecise about what we need to both understand and what we need to do uh, based on that understanding. And it is the primary, uh, you know, purpose of the text to show the still-suffering alcoholic, in our case, the compulsive overeater, how to get well and how to stay well. And, uh, you know, that, that's, uh, you know, to access, in other words, how to access the necessary powers that, so that you never, ever have to compulsively eat again. And, and that sounded like a proposition that uh, I, I'm not sure that I believed in, but I, I know that's true today. Now, because we are each unique human beings, right? We're with our own life narrative, our own experiences, our own perceptive lens in which we, you know, we, we try to make sense of our experiences. There, there's gonna naturally be different interpretive meaning that each of us extracts from what we read in the literature. You know, you, you, may, you may read something uh, that speaks to you in, in, in trombone uh, while I read it, and I'm interpreting it in, in ceiling fans. And, and I, take, I tell you, it always makes me laugh when my sponsor uses those types of ways of saying things. But the point is, the pioneers of this program discovered a way out. That, that much we can agree on. And as it turns out, the way out was the result of taking certain prescribed actions, spiritual in nature, that result in accessing a power, a power of our own understanding, but indeed a power greater than ourselves. And I always wanna to remember to love and, and, and accept people right where they're at. And, you know, and, and so that's how they interpret the literature is, is the only way that it can be interpreted for, for them. It's customized for them, their experience. And in the final analysis, the literature leads us to hope. And there's going to be someone that's going to talk to you this morning about hope. And the literature draws us to the miracle of recovery. And so with that, um, you know, I I, I, I just want to uh, this morning let you know that A Vision for You presents Growing by Leaps and Bounds through Literature. And joining us today to share her experience is Lisa B. And Lisa, first I want to tell you that Lisa is spelled L-E-S-A not the traditional, <laughs> if you're looking for Lisa B. She, Lisa is a recovered, compulsive reader from South Carolina. She is dedicated to the implementation of these steps. She's dedicated to carrying a message of hope uh, to others who desire change. And uh, Lisa, also Lisa regularly provides uh, such wonderful service for our fellowship. So I would, with that, I would ask you to join me in welcoming Lisa B. to the line. Lisa, good morning.
1: Good morning, Larry. Thank you so much. Um, I really loved your your introduction and, and the description of the title. Um, my name is Lisa. I am a recovered compulsive overeater, and um, I just want to share with you that this title came to me. Um, you know, to me, the title sounds very dry and boring. <laughs> so, um, I thought, oh my gosh, you know, this sounds like such a dry topic, but it's really what I felt led to share on and um the where it came from is two there's two places in the big book one is in the forward to the second edition and it says here while the internal difficulties of our adolescent period were being ironed out public acceptance of aa grew by leaps and bounds for this there were two principal reasons the large numbers of recoveries and reunited homes so this program is It was working you know it was working and people were seeing that and then uh, but really where the title came from truly is in the forward to the fourth edition and it says in country after country where the AA seed was planted it has taken root slowly at first then growing by leaps and bounds when literature has become available and you know that's my story of what happened to me so um my first real real experience with OA truly was in october of 2015 when i was led um suggested by a fellow to come to this phone line and i was very desperate although i didn't know how desperate i really was i was feeling frustrated angry irritated trapped stuck and i had no idea that all that was the untreated compulsive overeating you know i was convinced it was family my childhood my husband Lack of job satisfaction where I was living, all of that. But it was all really and truly the untreated compulsive overeating, you know, which had gone underground. And manifested itself as all the isms I just didn't know that that was what was driving me being an untreated compulsive overeater but prior to October of 2015 way back in um, 1986 I had gone to my very first one OA meeting went in and left and never went back I just didn't hear a message Um, I was 23 years old 24 23 and I just didn't hear a message of hope and, um, but I, I knew I was screwed, you know, I knew way back then that I had my step one experience. I knew that this was not gonna go away. And um, then through some other experiences in the food, I ended up in a treatment center for uncontrollable binge eating, which was really scaring the crap out of me. And because my brother had been an active drug addict and had some success in going to treatment centers, and back then, our health insurance, covered going to a treatment center. So I was very fortunate and blessed and able to go into this treatment center. It was a 12-step treatment center. I got a food plan, which in, in many ways was a blessing because it had eliminated, I think, really all of my alcoholic ingredients. I didn't really understand about alcoholic behaviors, but the biggest thing that I didn't get is that I need the 12 steps, the way it's laid out in this big book, to treat the spiritual problem, you know? Now I know people get lots of success with other literature, but today I'm going to be focusing on the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous because that's what worked for me, you know? But there's lots of other conference-approved literature. And during the pandemic, I was able to read um, Dr. Bob and the Good Old Timers, which was an amazing gift to read that. It's all about what they did in the Midwest before the big book came out, you know? And you know how it talks about... um Um, You know, if you want what we have and are willing to do what we did. Well, it talks about what they did, you know, before the big book came out. And it talked about the literature that they used. And it was eye-opening experience for me to a whole new level. So um, October of 2015 is there. And you know what? I've been an untreated compulsive overeater now for like 15 to 18 years And um, when I got out of that treatment center, I had a white-knuckle abstinence. And really, in looking back, I don't even think I was truly abstinent, the way the doctor's opinion describes. But I was, I don't know what I was. I wasn't binging the way I was. I wasn't in those foods. But um, I wasn't recovered. And I used to think just because I'm abstinent, I'm recovered, you know. And also, I used to think just because I have a food plan, I'm abstinent. And those are two contrary things I had to learn you know, what, what they really mean. So I came to this phone line. In fact, Larry, you know, you might even be one of the first few people I heard. I heard a lot of people that I still hear today, which shows that the program really works. Um, I wanted what you had. I hadn't heard ever. In fact, I had been going to some AA meetings, and I hadn't heard a lot of what I heard on this line, even in some wonderful AA meetings. I've been going to AA meetings for years. Um, And, you know, I saw happiness and freedom in those AA meetings, and it just seemed to, uh, I just never could get it. Like, what is this rocketed to the fourth dimension? What am I missing? You know, what am I missing? So um, I introduced myself. I got a whole bunch of calls, and I latched on to someone. And in January of 2016, coming up for me now, an anniversary month, God willing, I became abstinent, and um We went through the doctor's opinion wow wow how exciting that was in abstinence and then in march of 2016 another huge wow i got recovered and i understand now what rocketed to the fourth dimension is so i want to talk about some of the things in these chapters that were most meaningful to me and uh, i want to do this in a way that's not boring it's not just reading out of the book i want to try and share it with my own experience And uh, we'll just give this a shot, okay? But there might be times where I read a few passages, and then I'll share. I might share right away. So we'll just see what happens. So what jumped out for me in the doctor's opinion on page XXVI, it's imperative that a man's brain be cleared before he is approached, as he then has a better chance of understanding and accepting what we have to offer. That was Bill's writing, not Dr. Silkworth yet. You know, I mean, there's so many things in this chapter that could be my favorite. And you're probably saying, she chose that? What about this? But this is just what came to me, you know, prayerfully. And the reason that this jumps out to me is because I kept missing what was being presented to me, what you all have to offer, because I had not been truly abstinent, you know. I needed to understand and accept what you have to offer. Um, The next reading Of course, an alcoholic ought to be freed from his physical craving for liquor, and this often requires a definite hospital procedure before psychological measures can be of maximum benefit. Well, what I've learned over time is I need a period of hospitalization, you know, and my sponsor worked with me on that. She helped me understand that while we're going through this work, I'm vulnerable and I'm at risk of picking up. So she she went over some pitfalls that could happen for me, you know, and some things to avoid. And then I really needed to place this as priority. Um, And then it doesn't have to take a long time. But getting a food plan, avoiding some places, really treating my my home like it's a treatment center you know which was so important to me and we needed to talk about food my sponsor and i she helped me understand she didn't just say you need to figure it out for yourself you know she really helped me understand because she has neutrality she didn't insist I have her same degree of um, alcoholic foods and what they are but she helped me understand what dr silkworth means you know what, what he's talking about entire abstinence and how i can apply them to myself another reading on page XXVIII these allergic types can never safely use alcohol in any form at all and once having formed a habit and found they cannot break it once having lost their self-confidence their reliance upon things human their problems pile up on them and become astonishingly difficult to solve you know and that's when I where I was I was hopeless I was truly hopeless. I couldn't even handle a customer service person on the phone. I couldn't. It just would throw me into a tailspin to talk to my father on the phone. I had to have a caramel macchiato from Starbucks in my hand in order to cope with him. I just, you know, anything, anything I just couldn't handle. Oh, but here's the solution. This is wonderful. On the other hand, and strange as this may seem to those who do not understand once a psychic change has occurred, this very same person who seemed doomed, who had so many problems, he despaired of ever solving them, suddenly finds himself easily able to control his desire for alcohol. The only effort necessary being that required to follow a few simple rules. You know, that's the solution right there. I'm going to give a quote that one of a, a mentor to me, um, a speaker. And AA often says, he says, this program seeks to attack my old ideas and my selfish nature, which is defiant and contrary to God's will. And boy, that is so true. You know, I call my higher power God. And this program is offering a solution. It's a relationship of power, which I said, for me, is God. This offers a way of life and a new order. It's about solutions where problems can be removed. It's just as amazing, it's an amazing program and it starts with clarity and depth and total surrender to the doctor's opinion and really submitting to the guidance of my sponsor and what these first 100 people said they did. Okay, so let's see, what else? This is what I was afraid of happening but I'm just gonna keep moving. I've got my pages all numbered here. This was such an undertaking but I got so much grace and goodness out of it how wonderful it is to go through these chapters and pull out my favorite passages and think about how they relate, you know. It was really, really cool, but I just didn't want it to become like a snore fest <laughs> with going through all this, but I'm doing the best I can. So I wanted to cover some things in Bill's story that are my favorites. He says, he's describing Ebby Thatcher, okay, page nine. The door opened and he stood there, fresh skinned and glowing. There was something about his eyes. He was inexplicably different. Page 12. He was on a different footing. His roots grasped new soil. So he's experienced this transformation. He was reborn. That's what has to happen to me. Okay. Um, page 13. My friend promised when things were done, these things were done, going through this transformational process, experiencing a change in my heart, not just accumulating information and knowledge, but really a transformation of my heart, I would enter upon a new relationship with my creator, God, that I would have the elements of a way of living which answered all my problems. Belief in the power of God plus enough willingness, honesty, and humility to establish and maintain the new order of things were the essential requirements. That's amazing. You know, that's what I wanted all along okay page 12 to 13 the real significance of my experience in the cathedral so bill is reflecting back being a soldier in england walking around maybe checking things out he goes into this cathedral and he has an experience and he's talking about it this real experience burst upon me for a brief moment i had needed and wanted god there had been a humble willingness to have him with me And he came, but soon the sense of his presence had been blotted out by worldly clamors, mostly those within myself. Okay, so that is something every day I deal with today, you know. So the worldly clamors are like, what are you thinking of me? How do I look? How do I sound? What about me? You know, all this stuff, um, just worldly clamors. A lot of pride, um, a lot of my rights, my rights. Um, A lot of wanting to be understood. You know, those things all blot out my connection to this source that I so desperately need. So Bill is reflecting on having that experience as a person all those years ago, you know, and that I have had those experiences growing up, you know, too, um, feeling the presence of something, but just then keep going on with life. All right, so uh, let me see here. Thank goodness my pages are numbered. Um, all right. I, I know that I'm jumping around, but we're going to get into the solution and the steps. So there is a chapter called There is a Solution. And I love that chapter. Page 25. Wow. The great fact is just this and nothing less that we have had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, toward our fellows, and towards God's universe.
0: That's
1: the great fact. That has to be everything. Well, I just want you all to know because I realized I didn't touch on this. I was anorexic in college, um, and I've also been a binge eater. I really gravitate towards being a binge volume eater. Every so often I have periods of restriction and and I definitely would compulsively exercise. I know what it is to not be able to stop eating. When I was um, 23, right before I went to that OA meeting, my very first experience of not being able to stop is I went through a whole loaf of bread making peanut butter toast. I just was like an animal. You know, going through the refrigerator. I mean, I've I've done all of that, and I realized I didn't really talk about my step zero, my step one experience. I'm just jumping into all this. Um. I kind of took it for granted that you would just assume, you know, that I that I belong here, that I know what I'm talking about. But I always love to hear people do a qualification. Um, I do believe that there is a 400 pound person inside of me. I've ex- I haven't experienced those yet. I didn't have a lot of weight when I went to that treatment center. I had a lot of pain, a lot of pain, a lot of self-pity, um, a lot of powerlessness. And I, I really think it was just a matter of time that I would have just continued to balloon up. I think suicide was more of an option for me. Um, the thought of going on was more frightening for me than living. And I did get a glimpse of hope you know, in that treatment center and in the AA meetings. I did get a glimpse of hope. Um, And then I kind of coasted. You know, when I met my husband and got married and I broke my abstinence um, and I just stayed an untreated, compulsive overeater, the stuff that was most painful for me was being like a hurricane in everyone's life and causing so much pain and anguish to other people because of my selfishness and inability to be present you know defective relationships and my character defects you know that's the cause those are the those are my problems that's why I'm a compulsive overeater and the spiritual malady not having a connection with god not having a healthy connection with others um all of that is like my that's my disease my compulsive overeating and when i when i was suggested that i come to a vision for you I could feel the disease breathing down my neck. I knew it was just a matter of time that I would be in a binge that was unrecognizable. I could tell that something was turning. The disease was turning. You know how they say, just wait, it will get worse. For me, it actually stayed the same. And that was like being in hell. Like, think of where you are in a gross, horrible time in your disease, right? And thinking that it doesn't get worse, but it just stays the same, I kept thinking maybe it'll get worse, and then I'll have enough willingness to do this. Because I was still able to function. I knew my husband wasn't going to leave me. I wasn't going to lose my job or my house. I was just chronically depressed, but not like where I need a, um, you know, a, a medical diagnosis. But I knew I was depressed. I was moody. I was irritable. I would need some meds eventually just to function. Like, that's the way my disease showed itself. I also compulsively shopped and thought, you know what? I just need to leave my husband. I just need to get a different husband. All those things were going on for me. I kept thinking maybe it'll get worse. And when that woman told me about the meeting, it hadn't been getting worse. It was staying that way for a long time, over a decade. But when she said that to me, I could tell, oh, my gosh, it's about to get worse I saw an image of myself floating down to the bottom of the ocean with like a cement thing around my neck and then not not being able to come back. Like I, I could feel it that the binge was gonna it was gonna take me over, maybe even be worse than before the treatment center. So anyways, that's where I was. So when I read the great fact is just this, that's telling me God, my creator, has to be the great fact. I can't be the great fact. You can't be the great fact. My God has to be the great fact. Is justice and nothing less. That We've had deep and effective spiritual experiences which have revolutionized. I love this. I'm going to quote this from one of my mentors. The government of Lisa has to be overthrown and the government of God has to take place. My whole attitude toward life and my fellows and towards God's universe has to be a shift here's another really good one page 25 the central fact of my life today is the absolute certainty that my creator has entered into my heart and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous he has commenced to accomplish those things for us which we could never do by ourselves and when we read in our literature I think in the AA 12 and 12 it says in step 12 that being recovered is God doing for us what we could not do for ourselves okay here we are page 25 if you are as seriously alcoholic as we are or were we believe there's no middle-of-the-road solution middle-of-the-road solution do 90 meetings in 90 days you know don't drink go to meetings make the phone calls you know all those things are great I've done the tools I continue to do the tools every day but I can't let it I can't have a meeting based sobriety a phone call based sobriety you know I need to have a transformation in my heart through these 12 steps. Okay, and then I wanted to talk about, on page 26, he says, but this man still lives, and is a free man, he's talking about Roland Hazard. He does not need a bodyguard, nor is he confined. He can go anywhere on this earth where other free men go, provided he remain willing to maintain a certain simple attitude, and I've learned, especially over the last two years, what that simple, certain thing is. I'm not God. God is God, you know? That's why um, in the beginning when I talked about a new order and Bill talks about, that's the biggest thing that I've been learning lately. You know, I've always believed in God, but I wanted to sit right up there next to God and be God with God and like run the world with God. There is a proper order. I have to submit and yield To this power and even though I believe in this power and I love this power and I pray to this power God I didn't really want to submit and sometimes I still don't I didn't really want to believe it this power is all-knowing and all loving and all-powerful like I wanted to be right there with it you know a lot of ego deflation a lot of pride that can still be there and I think that that's why I recoiled in the beginning when I saw God on the walls you know in the 12 steps or heard about God you know I love I would hear people say I'm religious I mean I'm spiritual I'm not religious I've said that too like I'm better than the religious people I'm spiritual I'm not religious you know I, I've been so judgmental so prejudiced, so closed-minded even up to recent I've just been learning that about myself but today I realize I am religious and I am spiritual and I can learn from the religious people. Okay, so let me see. Like I said, thank God my pages are numbered. All right, so that was page uh, three. So now I'm gonna go to page four. All right, so here we go. Um, Ah, here we go, let's see here. There is a solution. Dr. Carl Young. Here and there, once in a while, alcoholics have had what are called vital spiritual experiences these are huge emotional displacements and rearrangements ideas emotions and attitudes which were once the guiding force of these men suddenly cast to one side and a completely new set of conceptions begin to dominate them that's that's one of the def- that's one of the ways to describe a being recovered um, all of us page 28 are the children of a living creator with whom we may form a relationship upon simple and understandable terms soon as we are willing and honest enough to try. You know, I love what one of my other mentors that I listen to often talks about needing to have a living God, a living, breathing God, a relationship with this God that I can talk to, you know, that I can get connected to. And that happens after the 12 steps. I'm placed in a position to be transformed as a result of going through the steps in a state of entire
0: abstinence
1: that's what happens to me okay we agnostics page 44 to 45 if a mere code of morals or a better philosophy of life were sufficient to overcome alcoholism many of us would have covered recovered long ago but we found that such codes and philosophies did not save us no matter how much we tried so I wrote down A transformed heart not moralism but a transformed heart it's a relationship with a living creator not human power you know I've really lately the past 18 months had to seek this living creator God in a whole new way that I haven't done before because what I was doing just wasn't enough anymore and I got into a lot of pain a lot of pride was stumbling over myself and I didn't even know I was stumbling over myself I was causing harms you know I always say to people I've done more harm in a, in a recovered state I think you know than I did before I got recovered a lot of continuous ego deflation it talks about in step 7 in the 8 eight, twelve, 12 and 12 repeated humiliations. you know that's what continues to go on for me I've had to seek the literature that it encourages us to in step 11 and the big book. Be quick to see where religious people are right. I've gotten into the big, big book, you know. I've done something I never thought I would do. I joined a Bible study. When I read Dr. Bob and the Good Old Timers, that's the, that's the book they studied from. I know that might upset a lot of people, offend them. I don't mean to. It's just what I've needed to do. And it's helped me so much to a whole new level. So Let me go back to Reagnostics, Page 45. 45, that's exactly what this book is about. Its main object is to enable you to find a power greater than yourself which will solve your problem. Hey, isn't that what we want? I learned it's not about the food, you know? The food is just a symptom. I wanted to go to Wives on page 116. It says, if God can solve the age old riddle of alcoholism, he can solve your problems. I love that, like Larry said, this book, this program, when we're really in it, is so full of hope. You know, the disease is about hopelessness and despair. But when we're in this work, following it, you know, that's why that's why the program grew by leaps and bounds because it works when we stay in this text. That's why I love working with others with this text. It's not about my opinion or my speculation, you know. We stay in this as a guide. On page 153, a vision for you. Should you wish these above all else and be willing to make use of our experience we are sure they will come the age of miracles is still with us our own recovery proves that i need my recovered fellows you know people that have gone on before me to share with me so that i can understand how to interpret this book you know it does have a way of it is written in a style if i didn't have my sponsor oh i i just You know, I reflect back to the days of working with my sponsor, sitting on the edge of my bed with my headset in. I didn't meet her until just two years ago. You know, I, I knew my sponsor for years and years, but I hadn't met her, but we worked together over the phone and just the excitement I would feel. And what she did is she talked about herself and what these words on these pages meant to her. And they helped me see how I really am a compulsive overeater. I was so full of denial. I would think I'm not as bad as you. I didn't get to be that big or I didn't get that anorexic or I didn't do this, but she was like me. She was like me in so many ways. You know, she's from a different country. She speaks, you know, her first language is a different language. In many ways, she's not like me. Her childhood was so different than mine, her, bringing, her upbringing. But yet she was like me, and she was recovered, and she talked about herself. And that's how my eyes opened up, you know. I need to hear you guys and how you relate this book to yourself. Okay, page 95. Um, working with others i'm not in that chapter yet and if we have time we'll get there but i did want to tie in this quote it says if he is to find god the desire must come within god is what we are offering a relationship of power that's the news we're offering god we're offering a relationship of power you know we're not offering about uh you know worshiping the food plan or all the service and all that although those things really save my butt they really do it's a relationship with God it's a relationship of power page 99 remind the prospect that his recovery is not dependent upon people it's a, dependent upon his relationship with God think about Bill being in that hotel you know pacing the hall wanting to possibly go in and have a drink guess what at that time his sponsor Evie was drinking his sponsor was drunk if he thought I need to call Evie no he had been taught well selfishness is the root of his problem he needs to get out of himself he needs to talk about himself and try and help someone you know talk about himself in a way that's useful <laughs> not talk about himself and talk about his problems page 46 back to We agnostics many of us have been so touchy that even casual reference to God spiritual things made us bristle with antagonism guess what the big book tells me about that this sort of thinking had to be abandoned I think there's somewhere else that tells me that it means I have an alcoholic mind. You know, I used to bristle. I used to bristle. I was terrified that you were going to try and convert me or tell me that I had to believe like you did. You know, defiance is our chief characteristic. That's what the 12 and 12 tells me. But I started to relax around that. I had to pray for it. Help me. Help me to be open to you, you know. Help me to hear you in a new way. I had a lot of defiance and anger against God because I wanted to be God. And like I said, I've only just been recently seeing that. Only just recently been seeing that. And I'm sure there will be more uh, more repeated humiliations <laughs> that I will go through. All right, so let's see here. Back to my numbers. So let's see now. We're going to go to the chapter more about alcoholism. What a powerful chapter that was. My eyes opened up so much with my sponsor. It was in that chapter that I realized that I had been, like I said to her, you're going to think, where, where was she? But this is where I was. I said to her when we were in this chapter, oh, my gosh, I just realized I'm not going to be able to have chocolate chip cookies anymore. Like, where was I all these other chapters? I don't know where I was. I don't know why I just now was getting it but that's why entire abstinence going through these passages and these chapters carefully is so important I didn't know I was still in that denial and my loving sponsor didn't say "Well, where the heck have you been you know what she said well you know you might have to grieve that and you'll have to be with that yeah and she didn't say one day at a time thank God you know that that is not a good thing for me to say For today, like I don't want to know that maybe tomorrow I can have it. That for me that just doesn't work. But it really helped me going through this chapter and saying that to her. And I had to talk to other recovered fellows about it. I'm grieving. I'm not going to be able to have chocolate chip cookies anymore. I'm not going to be able to have alcohol in any form at all. And I hadn't been since we had been in the doctor's opinion. But you know what? That grief was like maybe three days, and then. And then something changed in me, something was beginning to happen. Page 31, or page 30, it says, we learned we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. Page 31, by every form of self-deception and experimentation, they will try to prove themselves exceptions to the rule, therefore non-alcoholic. And I realized I had been doing that. When I got out of that treatment center, you know, I felt superior. I'm not as bad as them. I, I haven't been as bad as them. This was just a tough patch in my life that I went through, you know. And I, I continued to feel that way until I really started reading this, and the words started sinking down, you know. And I started standing on these words. Page thirty-three. If we are planning to stop drinking, there must be no reservation of any kind, no lurking notion, no, nor any lurking notion that. Someday, he will be immune to alcohol. That's why I can't say, well, for today. Page 42, quite as important was the discovery that spiritual principles would solve all my problems. I have since been brought into a way of life infinitely more satisfying, and I hope more useful than the life I lived before. And that's where I am today. I really feel so grateful and happy. But I've gone through a lot of difficulties this year, but it's been it's been like a rich experience that's really what it's all been for me i'm living life i remember my first job out of college when my binges took on a whole new way before i went to the treatment center and i remember thinking i don't feel equipped to face life i don't know how to do life and i wanted to blame my parents now i love and adore my parents they're gone i thank them every day and i pray for them every day but, you know, I was so angry at them. They, they protected me in many ways. They did things for me all the time. You know, my dad used to always say to my two older brothers, keep an eye on your sister, you know, watch out for your sister. They really coddled me, and in a way it put my husband in a terrible position because I always, you know, sometimes I expect him to do the same thing, take care of me. But, you know, I was so protected, and I just didn't know how to do life. But, you know, I've learned in this program, I'm learning how to grow up to take responsibility and not eat over it and it gives me self-esteem you know I'm doing esteemable things page 124 family afterward showing others who suffer how we were given help is the very thing which make makes life seem so worthwhile cling to the thought that in God's hands the dark past is the greatest possession you have the key to life and happiness for others with it you can avert Death and misery for them. It is a joy to be able to share. It truly, truly is. All right, so I'm going to try and pick up the pace here. Um, And how it works, like I'm going to bring my quote again from my mentor, especially in this chapter, what this program does, it seeks to attack my old ideas and my selfish nature, which is defiant and contrary to God's will. And I started to learn that for sure, and how it works, you know, beginning with the third step step three pages pages sixty to what is that sixty to sixty three are so helpful. I mean, I could read those every day, and something new gets in you know um first page sixty two we had to quit playing god page sixty three the third step prayer it's about God, not me i and then it says. The prayer, and then it says it's some more, and then it says, "Could it last? band could it last? Abandon ourselves utterly to Him." You know, that's what my life is today, continually utterly abandon. I know that's not proper English, but utter abandonment, utter abandonment. And then it goes on to say, "Resentment is the number one offender." Mm. It's plain that a life which includes deep resentment, any resentment, leads only to futility and unhappiness. And I think about. The fights, you know, that I would have with my husband, we've been married, it'll be 29 years this year coming up, you know, um, just the fights, the self-pity, all of that, I'm telling you, the root of it, my untreated compulsive overeating, it really was, my husband hasn't really changed, I'm the one that's changed and I'm so blessed today and so grateful to be with him and have him. It says here and to the wives on page 117 never forget that resentment is a deadly hazard to an alcoholic be careful not to disagree in a resentful or critical spirit you know that's a really powerful reading there to the employers on page 145 the greatest enemies of us alcoholics are resentment jealousy envy frustration and fear you know I had no idea what a jealous and envious person I was until this past 18 months to two years. And I think it's because being on Zoom, um, I've been able to get into a lot of new meetings, a lot of new groups, and I've made some people like my higher power. And I don't know what it is, I just don't know what it is, but I've always been envious, always jealous. It's just becoming more clear to me. And sometimes I wanna hold on to it. And it's been hard. Like I really have to do a lot of prayer, meditation, inventories, going back through this work, um, a lot of 12-step work to get out of myself. But sometimes it takes, it's like a pretty deep root, you know, in there. And um, it's frustrating and painful. I have to just keep believing in step two. I'm being restored to sanity. You know, and that's my pride speaking right now. Like, oh, I shouldn't have that. I shouldn't have that. I am realizing that I need God for everything. To my core, I am naturally a very selfish person, naturally. And it's not because I'm such a despicable person, but I'm actually learning that that's, that's the whole thing of humanity, that we are defective and broken. That's why we need a relationship with God. You know, the other thing is, and I'll just say this, I needed more than a higher power. I really needed a God. I needed a savior i needed to have a transformation i can't just have a higher power all right so back into how it works it talks about fear for we are now on a different basis a basis of trusting and relying upon god we never apologize to anyone for depending upon our creator you know there are people that whistle in the rooms and i do get fearful sometimes when i want to share my experience you know of the happiness and the freedom that I feel so fear comes in you know and I want to be liked it says on page 71 we hope you are convinced now that God can remove whatever self-will has been blocking you off from him Wow so it gives me the directions for the fourth step inventory in in that chapter and then into action we have page 72 we have been trying to get a new attitude a new relationship with our Creator And to discover the obstacles on our path, we have ascertained in a rough way what the trouble is. We have put our finger on the weaker items on our personal inventory. Now these are about to be cast out. Is that amazing or what? Like one of my favorite AA speaker talks about, have you ever gone to a psychiatrist or psychologist and then say, these are about to be cast out. That's why this is a program of miracles, but it's all through action. A lot of lot of action you know and I wanted to say if I had waited for willingness it would I don't think I would have ever been here because like I said there was a long time I kept waiting for it to get worse and it didn't get worse I have to take the action and that's what one of my favorite mentors on this line says you know if I wait for the willingness it's not going to come I have to take the action take the action that's what like living an esteemable life You know doing it and I have to stop asking myself how do I you know I don't I don't feel like doing it or I don't feel it or this doesn't feel good I have to stop making my feelings you know God page 73 we must be entirely honest with somebody if we expect to live long or happily in this world page 75 reminding ourselves that we have decided to go to any length to find a spiritual experience We ask that we be given strength and direction to do the right thing. What a great prayer. So I want to make a quote from Bill's story about this topic that we're talking about now. Page 13 in Bill's story, he says, I ruthlessly faced my sins. It became willing to have my newfound friend, capital F, friend, God, take them away, root and branch. You know, and I, I really love that. And He also talks about one of his other writings um, in that chapter, of myself I am nothing. Of myself I am nothing. Sometimes there's that little part of me that still wants to be, you know, something with God, like running the show, you know. Page 83. Yes, there is a long period of reconstruction ahead. We must take the lead. A remorseful mumbling that we are sorry won't fill the bill at all. So, we clean house with the family, asking each morning in meditation that our Creator show us a way show us the way of patience. I'm, I just want you to know, Larry, I am looking at the clock. <laughs> show us the way of patience, tolerance, kindness, and love. You know I need that prayer every morning. What a great prayer that is page eighty four We have entered the world of the spirit. Our next function is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. That's why I need to do 10 steps every day so I can grow in understanding and effectiveness. Page 84, we have ceased fighting anything or anyone, even alcohol. Page 85, the, pro- the problem has been removed. Wow, page 85, that is how we react as long as we keep in fit spiritual condition. Page 86, we ask God to direct our thinking, especially asking that it be divorced from self-pity, dishonest, self-seeking motives. Yes. Oh, thank you, Larry. (laughs) Um, Into action, page 85. How can I best serve thee? Thy will, not mine, be done. God is the central fact of my life, what we read about, and there is a solution. Yeah, this is great. I really, really love that prayer. It saves my life. I want God to be the central fact of my life. That's where I get a happy... And joyous life. You know, I I bring the structure down on myself. I bring bankruptcy. I bring self-destruction. And then I make other people suffer and hurt, you know, when I'm hurting. Page eighty-seven. Pause when agitated. Ask for the right thought or action. Page eighty seven. Be quick to see where religious people are right. Make use of what they offer. Another one on page eighty seven. We constantly remind ourselves we are no longer running the show. Page 88, we are then in much less danger of excitement, fear, anger, worry, self-pity, and foolish decisions. Yeah, that's, that's so big. Increasing, making well, first of all, making priority for prayer and meditation. You know, meditation is not optional. It's part of the 11th step. Doing the, the written disciplines of the inventory, not just winging it, doing it in my head. I can't do that. I need to share with other other alcoholics, other compulsive overeaters, newcomers, recovered fellows. Because this disease tells me, figure it out yourself. Be quiet. you got it, You got a handle of it. I can't tell you how many times I've shared something with someone. And they, because they have no attachment to it, they just hold it up from a whole different angle. I never would have seen it. They give me this, this thread to grab hold of that I never would have seen it. And my whole life changes. And think of, just because I didn't want to make a phone call, you know, what I would have missed. Working with others, page 84. Practical experience shows that nothing will so much ensure immunity from drinking as intensive work with others. It works when other activities fail. Page 89. Don't start out as an evangelist or a reformer. Page 89. To be helpful is our only aim. You know, I continue to learn About my defects of character and working with others but I love working with others I have to work with others it's it's what I'm called to do I've been given a gift and I need to be useful to God and the people around me and this is about growing and understanding and effectiveness and part of that is through working with others and it's hard sometimes it's hard for me because of self that gets in there but it's such a joy it is such a joy and it keeps me Sane and sober. But I don't want to rely on working with others to be the source of my recovery. I need I need all of the steps, you know? Because it's easy to get a high at working with others and be running around, running around, running around. You know, if I'm not plugging in with God and asking how can I be useful, how can I, you know, what can I share, how can I share, but I just continue to learn through working with others about letting go of rigidity, um, being open, learning how to be kind learning how to be tolerant learning how to be patient learning how to be humble and say i don't know learning how to go to recovered fellows and say i really screwed up i really messed up learning to go back and make amends page 92 if you are satisfied he is a real alcoholic. Begin to dwell on the hopeless feature of the malady. You know what? I can't assume just because someone's here, they're a real compulsive overeater. It is a disease of self-diagnosis, but I need to ask questions and find out. I need to find out. I talked to a newcomer once, and I was in a conversation, and I just said, like, what brought you to OA? Well, my psychiatrist said that people are really kind and that they would listen to me. And I said, well, are you a compulsive overeater? No. so okay you know and then I had a trainer once and she knew I was an OA and she said you know my doctor told me to go to OA and I said oh are you a compulsive overeater no but like you can get food plans and there's like a lot of support there so oh okay I have to find out you know page 92 many are doomed who do not realize their predicament that's the thing I love I love that quote you know what another quote from someone I need to disturb the comforted, and I need to comfort the disturbed. Okay. Page 93. He may be an example that faith alone is insufficient. To be vital, faith must be accompanied by self-sacrifice, unselfish constructive action. So people that have already maybe have like a lot of faith, a strong faith, you know, but is it really working for them? You know, sometimes I have to share things in the big book that maybe can help break that little armor that they have to this big book creates a sense of urgency and sometimes I can try and carry that message create a sense of urgency page 95 never talk down to an alcoholic from any moral or spiritual hilltop that's something that's always good for me to remember and read that page 95 if he is to find God the desire must come from within ninety five we have no monopoly on God; we merely have an approach that worked with us, but point out we alcoholics have much in common, and you would like in any case to be friendly. let it go at that i 'm learning how to be friends with people, and i 'm learning how to sponsor and i 'm learning how to let other people be friends with me it 's hard for me to let people in i have I still have my sponsor that I talk to although I don't really look at her still as my sponsor per se, but I have a few handful of people that are recovered. I have recovered sponsees. It's hard for me. I have a new sponsor in my AA program, and I'm going back through that again of the difficulty of letting people in. But that's really where recovery is for me because I go back into isolation. I can be in a room full of people and isolate. I can be working a strong program and still isolate. I need to be interacting and sharing and writing my inventories, and sharing, and going to God, and sharing with fellows. Page 97, a kindly act once in a while isn't enough. Page 97, it's not the matter of giving that is in question, but when and how to give, and I need to go to God. How can I give? How can I be useful? All the time I need to go. Page 97, We sim- I'm coming down to the end. This is the last bit. Page 97, we simply do not stop drinking so long as we place our dependence upon other people ahead of dependence upon God. Page 97, burn the idea into the consciousness of every man. He can recover regardless of anyone. The only condition is that he trusts God in clean house. Page 98, we must try to repair the damage lest we pay the penalty by a spree. Boy, that's a good one. That is so important. If I have a spree of jealousy and envy and frustration, well, if I have a, an emotional buildup of jealousy, envy, and frustration, I'm going to have a spree of some sort. It's the way I'm built. And it's going to start in my character defects. How long are those character defects going to support me until eventually I pick up a food and, in my case, also a drink? You know? I don't know how long that's going to last. And I don't, I don't want to pick up my character defects. So this is so important. That's why the further away I get from my compulsive binge and my drink, you know, the closer I am to it. Page 101, we meet these conditions every day. An alcoholic who cannot meet them still has an alcoholic mind. There is something the matter with his spiritual status. Page 102, your job now is to be at the place where you can be of maximum helpfulness to others. That's just wonderful, and I just feel led to share how this program how abstinence getting a getting a program and recovering in this program has blessed my life with my husband and my beautiful parents who've passed on and I have a closer relationship with them than I ever did it's It's helped me in so many ways to be useful to be loving and kind because that's not naturally who I am. God is helping me and i'm 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 being placed in a position to let God's love in. You know what? God has been faithful and loving to me all along. It was me. I turned my back. God will always be faithful and loving to me, you know, but I'm the one that turns my back. So I'm so, so glad to be here. And thank you, God. Thank you all. And thank you for this opportunity. I pass.
0: You know what's really cool? When when somebody brings the words off the pages in an authentic unscripted beautiful way uh that that that's pretty cool so thank you for doing that this morning lisa and so now we're going to transition to the q a phase of the deal here if you have a question for lisa b uh, from south carolina please unmute first by pressing star one and give me your first name and last initial there's No dumb questions unless I happen to chime in and pose one which I will not do. So, yeah, just feel free to jump in if you have a question for Lisa. Who would like to do that? Penny, okay. Okay, I just heard jumble. Did I hear Penny? No? Yes, Penny C. Hi, Penny. Who else did I hear?
2: Maria G. Lena
0: Nadia, and I got Dana. Who else? Veronica B.
3: Felicia F.
0: Veronica, Felicia. Lynn F. Lynn. Okay, so that's a pretty good start here. So I heard Penny, Nadia, Dana, Veronica. Alicia and Lynn, and you can give your first initial when you come on, although Penny, I know you're a C, and you can see here. Penny, good morning. Thank
3: you. Thank you, Lisa. <laughs> I am Penny C. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from the Boston area, and I appreciate um, your talk this morning, Lisa. Yeah, The literature really jumps out at us. My question is, when you talked about The grieving over the idea that you would never be able to have chocolate chip cookies again. I would like to know if and or how Dr. Paul's treatise on acceptance entered into your program.
1: Oh, hey, Penny. It's nice to hear you. You know, um, it it really didn't. Um, I never really... I'm probably one of the few people, I I just, I don't know, I I just didn't really go to that passage. I don't know. I, I uh, That didn't enter, enter into it. It wasn't even a part of it. Um, I think what was a part of it was asking for strength, and I kept asking for acceptance. Yeah, you know, I asked for acceptance. Just, now your question is profound. <laughs> At first, I was like, what does she mean? Now it's a profound question. Thank you, Penny. I love your question. But the first passage, uh, that passage, Um, I don't generally go to that passage very often, but... Um, Yes. You know what? I did ask God to help me to accept who I really am. We were in that chapter more about alcoholism. You know, I had to concede to my innermost self that I am bodily different in my mind and body. And um, I guess gratitude. Gratitude entered into it and asking for strength and protection. I, re- I remember asking for protection, God to protect me and surround me. That same year, our neighbors asked us to pick up their mail at Christmas time for them. And guess what? Someone sent them a box of Mrs. Fields cookies and it was sitting on our banister. But, you know, even though I wasn't recovered yet, I did feel that I recoiled. I recoiled. So God was helping me. So, uh, but that's such a good question, Penny. Thank you. I will read that passage again. I haven't looked at it in a long time. Thanks so much.
0: Thanks, Penny. Okay, now batting from Connecticut. uh, We have Nadia B. followed by Dana. Hey, Nadia, good morning.
2: Hey, Larry, thank you so much for your service as always. Thank you um, for such a wonderful presentation when I heard the
1: uh, topic of the um special edition today i i
3: knew i had to make time for it um i so often hear the world world the word balance and is there anything on balance in the book what the heck are we balancing and is there anything that
1: um that word brings up for you Wow, that's such a good question, Nadia. I can't really remember if there is a place in the big book that has that word per se. But you know what? I find balance uh, maybe in the 11th step in the AA 12 and 12, possibly. And that's what I was going to say. Prayer and meditation does help me with balance. Asking asking if God to help me in prayer and meditation. And seeking that as my priority first, getting connected to God. And um asking for help you know it really it just keeps the more I keep giving over and turning over living it like one of my mentors says, living a turned-over life you keep turning over turning over and turning over and eventually you're living a turned-over life I think balance does come up for me naturally but you know I think also talking to my fellows and then reminding me they give me a perspective like a job or family life and they'll say Lisa perfectionism. I'm hearing perfectionism. I'm hearing dishonesty that you're demanding perfection of yourself. And like, that's why I have to talk to fellows because I will drive myself with a whip. Um, um, that's not very balanced. So I need help with other people to show me and prayer and meditation and inventory, writing inventory on it, the frustration and the fear. And sometimes like I heard someone say, it's, The selfishness is that I want it to be easy, you know, and I want to have time the way I want time. Yeah, I hope that helps. It's nice to hear your voice, Nadia.
0: Yeah, thanks, Nadia. Okay, next up we have Dana, followed by Veronica. Hi, Dana, good morning. Good morning,
3: Larry, and thank you, Lisa. Oh my gosh, how beautiful, and I love the book. (laughs) I just love the book. And I'm hoping that it comes out more as a question. I appreciate so much your vulnerability um, and your transparency around um, your issues. My question or my um, request is that you share a little bit more about your experience with it. You know, you said it had to be more than a power. And you mentioned
1: um, the friend with a capital F um, a few times there and where that comes up in the book. And I just love to hear if you're willing to share some more about
2: your personal relationship with your higher power uh, past.
1: wow you know um i just i think what i'd like to do is i'd like to answer that one-on-one over the phone i would just feel better doing that so um i just i think i would feel better and Is it okay, Larry, if I give my phone number now, or should I just wait? No, you know what, we'll wait till at the end. But um, I think I'd like to talk about that one-on-one. Certainly, I'm happy to Mm -hmm. stay and listen for your number. I'm actually looking forward to it. Thank you, Lisa. I'll talk to you. Okay, thank you, yeah.
0: Yeah, I could send it to Dana too. But yeah, um, that's a good uh, segue that we'll, uh, when we get there that after after this is not recorded anymore, um, we'll ask Lisa to leave her contact information um okay veronica it's your turn followed by felicia good morning veronica
2: good morning there you are good morning hi hi good morning thank you uh lisa for your share can you um talk a little bit about the difference between god's will and your will oh wow this is so good um i wish i had my little book here i uh
1: I started going through the steps with my AA sponsor and we were using another book. Um, and I don't have it in front of me, but okay. So it gave like a little formula, um, that self-will is based on fear, selfishness. Um, and I can't remember, you know, dishonesty. Um, God's will is based on love and I can't remember the others, but yeah. Uh, that's a really good question. Um, you know, using the spiritual principles of the program and what we learn in our big book, and there are some really great podcasts that where they talk about the spiritual principles you can find, you know. Um, so using that as my guide, I find peace to be a great, um, just out of curiosity, what step are you on in your process?
2: Oh, I'm... Um. I'm, I'm in steps 10, 11, and 12. Like, I'm living okay. those. I've great. finished so you're, the steps already. Wonderful. I yeah. steps, so I was, but how do you? Peace you know, when is you, a great peace. indicator. Peace, okay.
1: Peace, and then also, you know, like it says in the big book in, where it talks about uh, fear and how it works. So it says we are now under, let me see here, let me get it. Um, I, I love referring to this. It says here. So I have to remember my troubles are my of my own making, so I don't want to be the one that's running the show. And then when it talked about fear, perhaps there is a better way we think so, for we are now on a different basis, the basis of trusting and relying upon God. We trust infinite God rather than our finite selves. We're in the role world to play the role He assigns, just to the extent that we do is we think he would have us and humbly rely on him does he enable us to match calamity with serenity and then it goes on we ask him to remove our fear and direct our attention to what he would have us be at once we commence to outgrow fear so for me i'll give an example um i was i made a career change i started a new job which i'm loving and really grateful for and uh it was a really hard decision i i had to apply for a hundred jobs Hundred jobs to get the one job that I got, but I did get it, and it was a really hard decision should I take it, should I not take it? Mm. And I didn't hear like this loud voice go this way, you know. I just didn't hear it, so I kept using those paragraphs and saying, God, I'm just gonna put one foot in front of the other, and if it's meant to be like just let the doors open for me, you know, and if there's resistance of any kind been shown me and there wasn't resistance other than my fear I I had such trepidation because it was new and different and that's the thing I'm learning about myself you know, I don't know what's good for me. I will, sh- I will take something so little compared to what God has for me. What God mm. has for me is big and, and wonderful and expansive. Well, guess what? That also means frightening and scary. So a lot of times I say, no, 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 that can't be for me. It's too, it's too unfamiliar. It's too scary. So then I won't have any peace. So then that, that idea of using peace is not a good rule of thumb. So it's just asking God to guide me and show me Putting one foot in front of the other, doing my inventories. And when I do my fear inventory, what would God have me be? God would have Mm. me trust, God would have me be trusting, be grateful, be loving, be kind, um, be optimistic, be hopeful, be honest, be honest, you know? Like, really, I have to pray for that honesty because there might be something there that. I'm not being honest about Maybe they're wanting me to do something that I really don't have the skills for. Is it really honest of me to think? You know, so all of that, just all of that comes in there. There's not really one easy way, but definitely getting recovered and having access to the God of your understanding is so important.
2: great. Thanks so much for
0: the, yeah, thanks for the question, Veronica. Next up is Felicia, followed by Lynn.
2: Good morning, everyone. I'm Felicia, S., uh, a compulsive, uh, recovering compulsive overeater from uh, New Jersey. Uh, Lisa, thank you so much for your talk. Um, I I heard so much in what you said, and my question is, um, I I too am. I have many years of recovery in uh, my alcohol addiction. I am uh, just um, I'm over about 70 days now in my food addiction. Um, I have been in and out for many, many years and I've worked all 12 steps in Alcoholics Anonymous. They said, I've had about 26 years of recovery there. I sponsor, I do all those things and I, I have a relationship with God, yet it didn't keep me out of the food. And, and I'm curious if, if, you had that experience and if so, what did you do differently or need to do differently um in to be able to recover in your food addiction? I hope that mm-hmm. made sense. Thank you. It made total sense and
1: thank you so much. I'm I'm really glad you're here. And I'll be happy to also talk to you more if you want um, you know, if you want to get my number we can talk. But you know, uh I can really relate to that and you know on page 25 it says that the central fact of our lives today right and then it talked about the great fact is just this and nothing less what does that mean nothing less it means nothing less so what was the great fact for me food food was the great fact for me i worshipped food and how i felt with food and what food did for me you know and i didn't really let go my hands wanted to cling to my food um, to give me comfort and ease Instead of going to God and I tried for years to take the 12 steps of AA and let them work for me in my OA program and then I tried for years to take the 12 steps as a recovered compulsive overeater and let them work for me in my AA program even though I haven't had a drink for 34 years. I tried, but it just didn't work. I have to, I I have to, I can't transfer the steps around. (laughs) Some people can. I'm just sharing my own experience, and I probably should have said that in the beginning. This is just my own experience. I'm not an expert in any of this. This It's just my own experience, but it's the most valuable thing I have, you know, my experience. So, hmm, I had to put all the food down, and when I started working with a recovered compulsive overeater, she had just a few years in the 12-step program and I had maybe 28 years in AA, and or I don't even know what it was, but I, sometimes math is not my strong suit. But um, she had something I didn't have. She had neutrality with food, and she was spiritually awakened, and she was happy. I wasn't. I needed to come to her as like a total beginner, like I know nothing. I know nothing. And sit pretty much at her feet and learn from her and what she did. And do what she did and do what this big book tells me to do, do it with the food. But, you know, I had to get entire abstinence the way Dr. Silkworth describes and make God the central fact of my life. And I was still worshiping, you know, food. So I hope that helps.
0: Thanks, Felicia. Okay, Lynn, it's your turn. Good morning.
3: Good morning. This is Lynn, a recovered compulsive eater in Pennsylvania. Thanks, Larry, and thanks, Lisa, for your service this morning. Um, when you, Lisa, when you spoke this morning, I loved how you shared about um, hospitalization. You know, and how uh, at the beginning of your recovery you needed hospitalization, and your sponsor gave you, um, you know, worked with you on that. And I'm just wondering if you would not mind sharing some specific strategies and things that you needed to do um and that you share with your sponsees today i find that this is um this is always a surprise when i'm working with sponsees and i recall you know at the beginning of my abstinence thinking that i could just pick this up and whip it into my life and i could just go about my way kind of like um had that attitude of like going to the pay and way program, getting all the literature and, you know, just doing whatever. And so just, you know, if you, if you wouldn't mind just sharing some of those specific strategies that you've found mm. helpful, I think.
1: That's such a great question. Thank you. I don't mind at all. Well, I'm going to share two different things. Um, I do ask God to guide me and sometimes I share in smaller bits and pieces because I feel led to do that with the person because maybe they're in a really fragile place and they can get so overwhelmed easily. So I really don't want to share like the whole thing all at once, but I want to tell you what my sponsor shared with me and I'm so grateful for her brutal honesty. She said to me, I'm not going to lie to you. It's really hard and it's a lot of work. And I'm so glad she told me that, you know, and it is really <laughs> it's hard and it's a lot of work. Um, so What I do today is, you know, in the beginning, I didn't really have the words for it. Like, I didn't have the term hospitalization. I actually got that from a wonderful podcast from a fellow that shares on this line regularly. She took that from the doctor's opinion. She says, we need that hospitalization period. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's so great. And I I, I found it so helpful because it really says it all. It's that hospitalization period. So now I use that word. But in the beginning, I used to just say, I needed to avoid going out to restaurants until I got into step 10. I was taught, don't plan on going on a vacation until you at least get into step 10. Now, I'm okay with hearing that stuff, and I was okay with hearing it, but I've said that to people, and they're like, what? You've got to be kidding me. This is so impractical. Do I have to put my life on hold? Do I have to quit my job? And You know, there is a saying that says I have to fit my life into OA. I can't fit my life, can't try and fit OA into my life. Now, for me, that was my reality. I was really desperate. I knew that I could live to be 100 years old and never get recovered, that this could just keep going on and on and on, and then I would die. I knew I wanted to be reborn in my spirit. I was dead in my heart. I wanted to be alive inside, you know. I was, the food was just... Constantly on me, like what when am I going to get it? How am I going to get rid of it? How am I not going to show it, what diet plan all that stuff and it just was exhausting, so when she told me that, I was like, You know what okay, I'm up for it, I am up for it so i I tell them about eating out, about avoiding vacate, don't go on vacation, and um that um it's it'' got to be priority, you know it's got to be priority and getting a food plan from a dietitian that works with compulsive overeaters is strongly recommended. I have worked with people that haven't done that that they had the dignity of choice and they have that. I did go to a dietitian and it worked for me and I'm grateful I did. My sponsor also taught me don't rely on your your nutritionist to define your abstinence. Like don't go to the nutritionist and say is this abstinence? You know, I'm the one that has to be crystal clear on what my abstinence is and maybe talk to my sponsor about it. And she taught me about reading labels, looking up all the alternative words for the key ingredient. Now, that's just what I had to do. That's me. That's what I had to do. You know, maybe that speaks of the depth and the bigness of the disease for me, but I I had to do like what it says. Um, I can't have alcohol in any form at all. I had to really look at the behaviors and be rigorously honest um I just didn't want to play games because it could keep going on and on and on and on and on and I just didn't want to have my life pissing away like it had been so I try and share that with people but I have worked with others that they're so fragile and they are recovered today not from me because of their willingness to do the work and they were so fragile that I just said Let's just read step one in the eight A- eight, A- twelve, and twelve and talk about how you identify, you know. Do you see about surrender? Are you there? Yes. Okay, let's go to the doctor's opinion and let's talk about that. And you know, can you can you get some abstinence there? And and like we just did it really simple in small doses, and that's what I felt led to do, and that's why I feel going in prayer. You know, letting their creator guide me on what I need to do to be useful to them, and that that's been really helpful. So I don't have like a cookie cutter style of doing it, you know. So I hope that helps.
0: Thanks, Len. Now we we only uh, we'll Thank take some so more. Yeah. Oh, you bet. Yeah, thanks for the question for Lisa. Now we only paid uh, Lisa's uh, sobriety insurance for the around the top of the hour, so. If anyone else has some questions here, um, for Lisa, give me your first name and last
2: initial. And you can press star one. Nancy C. All right, Nancy. Donna H. And Donna. Esther F and there's Esther. Debbie V and Debbie
0: okay last call last call all right let's go with that we have uh, Nancy Donna Esther and Debbie Nancy good morning
2: Good morning, Larry. Thank you for your service. And Lisa, thank you for that amazing authentic share. And you really demonstrated to me that the answers for everything is found in the big book. You know, people say you have a question, go read the big book. Um, So I really appreciate you being able to connect those dots this morning. And so my question is, how long did it take you to be able to go through the big book to be able to bring it to life for whatever question or problem you had. Doing that this morning was really very instructive for me, so I really appreciate your share, and with that I pass, thanks. Well,
1: thank you so much, Nancy, it's really nice to hear you. Um, well, I when I got recovered, I started working with people right away, which is so key, it really is, and that's where we grow i just can 't emphasize that enough it 's such a oh man it 's like you have this amazing gift of being recovered, and then to not give it away because when we give it away we 're getting it's we grow in dividends beyond anything when we give it away, and so many people don 't want to do it you know because they 're afraid or they don 't have the time or they 're resentful because it 's difficult, and sometimes we we as addicts are very difficult <laughs> to work with. Um And I understand that, or we have humiliations where you know it didn 't work, and then we think i can 't do this, and all that, and then we just stop well it 's all through those times of working with people, so it really started in working with others and taking them through the big book um that 's how it happened like right away for me going through the big book with them, so it really started then. When I was newly recovered, studying the big book with them, and sometimes I'll be working with a sponsee, and I'll be like, wow, this stuff really works. You know, it still is surprising to me, you know. So, like, I get so much out of it, or we'll read something, and I'll be like, God, that jumps out for me. It means so much to me, and I'll get an answer. You know, when I have problems today, and when I don't have solutions, and I'm scared, and I'm frustrated, and I'm challenged, or I feel exposed, or whatever... Um, I start working with others more instead of retreating. I work with them more and I always get an answer when I'm working with them, when I'm studying with them, when I'm helping them. I always, get, it's just somehow, I don't know how it works, but it's just the way it's set up. So it's through working with others. So right away working. So it's almost like the more you work with others, the quicker you're going to start to get the answers in the big book. <laughs> so I hope
0: that helps. Thanks for the question, Nancy. Okay, we have Donna followed by Esther. Good morning, Donna.
2: Good morning. Um, Lisa, thank you so much for that share, um, and your transparency and your brutal honesty. Um, it really hit home with me. My question is, um, you mentioned earlier to, um, someone else that answered the question about the difference between South Wales and Godswell, And you mentioned the name of a book that you were using in another program. Um, If you could share the name of that book, I think I might have missed it. Or if you don't know it at the top of your head, then um, would it be okay for me to give you a call and then you could let me know what the name of that book is?
1: Yes, you can give me a call. That would be great because I didn't say it. I didn't say it. And I don't know that it is conference approved literature. So yes, do call me and I'll be happy to share it with you or anyone else that wants to know. Yeah.
2: Thank you. Oh,
0: thank you, Donna. Okay, Esther, it's your turn, followed by Debbie.
2: Hi, Larry. Good morning and thank you for your service. And Lisa, thank you for that beautiful, beautiful share. Um, My question is, you said that when you um, first start talking to a prospective sponsee, that um, a lot of times people say that they were told to come here because the people are so nice or food plans. When somebody says that, that's the reason they came to this program. What's your next step? What do you work with them? Do you not work with them? That's my question. What a great question. Well,
1: in this instance, you know, she was a trainer, so I knew her. So I felt comfortable enough to say, well, Karen, are you, are you a compulsive overeater? And, and she said, no, but you know, the interesting thing with that is like she might be and not know it yet. So it could be a gift of grace That, like, I remember, you know, I've heard people say that, you know, well, I came to OA and, you know, I realized this happened to me in AA. I came to AA to support my brother, loving him, happy that he was finding a solution to his problems. And and then I I realized I actually belong in AA. (laughs) So, you know, so it worked out. So you never know. It could be Grace that's guiding her. So I don't say, well, you don't belong there. You shouldn't go there. So I asked her, are you a compulsive overeater? And she said, no. And I actually did give her um, a vision for you. And I think I gave her another meeting in my local town that she could go to. And I said, if you ever want to go, I'll meet you there. And I said, you know, um, the compulsive overeater has an allergy of the body and we have an obsession of the mind. And I said, it's very much like an alcoholic. And and um, I could tell her eyes kind of glazed over, so I stopped at that moment. But I definitely make myself available. And the same thing with the woman that said that, you know, her psychiatrist had told her that the people are kind and will listen to her. And it's true. We are kind and will listen to her. Um, and I did say if you ever have questions about the program, Um, you know, I gave her also a recommendation of a podcast on a vision for you, um, called what is a real compulsive overeater. And, you know, I try to do things like that just to be useful, but I try to look at where they are and meet them where they are in that moment, you know?
0: Oh, thanks for the question on that. And our final question, drum roll. That's my drum roll. Debbie, (laughs) all for you. Take it away.
2: Thank you so much, Larry. Thank you for your service. And thank you so much, Lisa, for all that you shared. My heart opens. Thank you. And thank you, fellows. Um, I'm relatively new. Uh, this is my second meeting. And um, I've had such an overwhelming response uh, when, I, when I came on as an, uh, and stated that I was a newcomer. So thank you, fellows, for that. Uh, Lisa, how do you define being recovered? It's a new I concept for me. Yeah, it's oh, a new, what a great question. Thank you.
1: Yeah, so um well we have the bedevilments on page fifty two in We Agnostics, which describes, you know, what it is to 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 be um struggling. So that's a good place to start. And then it says, um, you know, we were having trouble with personal relationships, we couldn't control our emotional natures, and you can read that. And those are like the anti-step nine promises. they are all the opposite of what step nine promises are. And then when we go into, into action and we read the step nine promises, um, we look at those, if we're painstaking about this phase, of fulfillment, we're going to know a new freedom, a new happiness. But the biggest Biggest clue, really and truly, the step 10 promises neutrality with food. So I I am recovered, but I'm not cured. I will always have this allergy of the body that will be triggered by behaviors and ingredients and foods, always. But I have neutrality. Like, I do this happily and joyfully. Um, it's, It's not a struggle. You see, abstinence was my whole problem. I could get abstinent. I could never stay abstinent. I could get abstinent countless times, and I even had some periods of long time, you know, like a year or so. And then when I went to the treatment center, I had some abstinence, but um, it was not happy. And I think people maybe were throwing candy bars at me and saying, will you please eat a candy bar for God's sake? Because I was just crabby and grouchy and paranoid and depressed and moody and self-absorbed, all that. So uh, that's it, the step 10 promises, you know. We have an experience as a result of going through the steps in a state of abstinence. Yeah, so I hope that helps. But welcome, glad you're here. I pass.
0: Yeah, thank you, Debbie, and and thank you to all who posed questions for Lisa B this morning. And Lisa, once again, just a, a tremendous thank you for your service. A beautiful service this morning. The share ID for today's presentation is the following. It's eighteen thousand three hundred and one. That's one eight three zero one, and that's a wrap. Um, time to close, and so allow me to read from page one sixty four, in a chapter entitled "A Vision for You," and then we'll uh, we'll close this up, and we'll get Lisa's contact information. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us.